You're listening to On The Line, the interview podcast from entertainment.ie. Hey guys, Dean Malumby, staff writer at entertainment.ie here, and this is my interview with Jan Demange. Jan directs Matthew McConaughey's new movie, White Boy Rick, which tells the true story of a teenager who became an undercover informant for the FBI during the 1980s before being arrested for drug trafficking and ultimately going to jail. Jan and I talk about the film, how he found its young star Richie Merritt and what it was like working with Matthew McConaughey. The director and I also talked about his first feature, 71, which is a trouble set drama about a young British soldier who has to survive the night in Belfast after being accidentally abandoned by his unit. So Jan talked to me about working with the Irish cast, who included the likes of Barry Keoghan, and about similar themes that you can see between White Boy Rick and 71. Last but not least, Jan talks about his name being circulated around the Bond franchise. Ooh. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. Make sure to like and subscribe to On The Line. And of course, check out White Boy Rick when it hits Irish cinemas on December 7th. Congratulations, Jan, on White Boy Rick. I absolutely Thank adored you. this film. And I loved Thank your you. uh, first feature as well, 71, the trouble set one. Thank you very much. I was wondering, first of all, with White Boy Rick, going back to the beginning, this is based on a true story. So when and where did you first come across the story? Actually, I was sent an article a year prior to me coming on board, but I, I found it a fascinating true story, but I didn't actually f- couldn't see the movie in it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a year later, I got sent a spec script. Um, a year later, I got sent a spec script, and um, I read it, and I kind of I really like connected to this father and son story. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the family story resonated with me, and I could I could start to see begin to see a, a film I'd want to make, but it was um, the father the scenes with the father sort of dropped out after five five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So I sort of met met Rick in jail and asked him questions about the family and explored it. And eventually I could see a film I could make a personal connection with, mm-hmm. which was about a family, a father and son trying to survive this sort of abject poverty and, and the face of corruption. Because that's exactly what I was thinking about when I was watching this film. It's kind of a story we've seen a lot, you know, the whole crime land gangster thing, the rise and fall and everything. But what really distinguishes it is that father-son relationship. So that was something you identified from the start and really wanted to incorporate strongly. That's what hooked me in. I mean, the rise and fall of a gangster isn't, wasn't a a gangster anyway. Mm -hmm. And as far as rise and fall of drug dealer stories go, it's not a great one. eh? He wasn't, they overblew, you know, it was overblown. He was never a kingpin. He was a dumb kid that that got caught up in selling drugs. So that was never an extraordinary story. The informant story it's pretty extraordinary, mm-hmm. him being the youngest informant ever for the FBI at the age of 14. Yeah. But even that wasn't enough to hook me in emotionally. And it's just, it's the father and son, like I say, the family story and the, the, the relationship with his sister and how the whole, what happened with him being used by the FBI affected the family. And it's that drama really that really hooked me in. And that, that's what I wanted to make underpin the film and be the spine of the film. Tell me a bit about how you... Um Tell me a bit about how you actually found Richie Merritt, because like he's such an extraordinary young talent. Yeah, he'd never done it before. I mean, we from the word go, I was like, let's do a two pronged attack and look at you know every possible actor for the role, but also look look at non actors and and street cast. So Francine Maisler was the main casting director, mm-hmm. and then we alongside her we cast we used someone called Jennifer Vendetti, who did uh, American Honey. 
and had you know some success street casting in the states before so and she was just like you know combing the streets so to speak in, in various states and she had one of her scouts out in Baltimore and she but this scout was uh, pitching the principal the, the headmaster of this high school and as they walked out there was this kid waiting to see the headmaster because he's in trouble and the principal said well you can start with this guy here and he's the one that's in the film what is that quality that like really kind of stood out from him from him initially that you were like that's what I need? He just he, you know it's almost like refusal to emote. He he's um he's very subtle and he's amazing being in the moment. It's very mm-hmm. subtle stuff and and he could re- he brought a sense of authenticity to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, he is like the real Rick. He grew up you know in a predominantly mixed area, being one of the only white kids there. He's uh, he really knows extreme poverty in America. And, you know, without exposing his life too much, he's been through so much by the age of 15 when I met him, when we started filming. He'd already had such like harsh life experiences that he could draw upon. So he could really f- make a, a sort of an emotional connection with what was going on in the story. Mm-hmm. And he could always access sort of parts within him things of real life experiences. And it was really incredible to watch, you know. But it's a peculiar peculiar sort of performance in a way as well because it does he re, there's a refusal to do what a dramatist expects he doesn't mm-hmm. sort of lean into the big drama moment or deliver try and make you cry he's actually he's more like that sort of kid where he's there's something a bit distancing about him where he's um he's like someone he's like a kid that's been through a lot of pain and has that armor that he's had to build up almost a callus around his feelings to keep, keep him to protect himself um you know, it became clear to me that we'd go with him when we did a test between him and Matthew McConaughey and mm-hmm. the connection and the chemistry between them was amazing. And I loved what the effect he had on Matthew because, you know, the kid couldn't be in a Matthew film. Mm-hmm. Matthew had to be had to meet him halfway and that and bring the performance down so we could believe him as the kid's father. And it was it anchored him in a way and it gave him a sort of you know, a sort of barometer of truth. Speaking of, how did Matthew McConaughey actually come on board? Because, you know, an Oscar winner, Matthew McConaughey, that must have been really amazing. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. You know, Matthew is a great guy, actually. Really a good ally, great work ethic. Look, we sent him the script because he embodied the, the sort of... The, the, he, he, the embod- he embodies all, all the qualities I wanted for the character. So someone who's a, a real optimist that really believes in the promise of America... And is like a go happy kind of guy, even though even in the face of abject poverty. Mm-hmm. And when he read the script, he felt the same as me. He really sort of leaned into and was moved by the family story. And he very much saw this as a father and son story. Uh, of course, yes, it's a drug dealer story. Yes, it's an incredible informant story. But we, he came on this journey with me because mm-hmm. we wanted to make the father and son story, and that's what really touched us. And what was um, Matthew McConaughey like on set? Because I've heard that, you know, for past films, he's, you know, incorporated a bit of improv. Was there any of that going on in White Boy Rick? Yeah, I mean, we do a bit of that. I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to like a bit of that. So yeah. it, it was great, you know, and it's good to get to get spontaneous moments from the kid. Mm-hmm. So it was very scripted. But then occasionally he'd throw things in that you weren't expecting. More, more often than not, just get to elicit a sort of fresh re- reaction from Richie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes they just go off on one. I'd let them do a take, and you know Matthew's very good at improvising. Thank you. Yeah. Um, like I said there earlier, 
the other film of yours I absolutely love is 71. I just think it's such an amazing movie. When I went into it, you know, I've seen so many movies based on the Troubles. I was like, no, another Troubles movie. But like you managed to bring just a totally, you know, new perspective on it. Was that something you were very kind of conscious and aware of going into it, knowing that it had been done so many times and wanting to do something new? Yeah, I was also quite free in a way because there'd been so many films on the Troubles. Mm -hmm. It's like other filmmakers already sort of taking on the responsibility of contextualising it and telling the big story. And it almost, I had a freedom in a way to to not bother, not to take anyone to school or give a history lesson. I could just, just basically just, what, very much what I did with White Boy Rick, is like my, I wanted to sort of empathise with every point of view. Mm-hmm. It was almost like, and try and be compassionate and just put yourself in the other people's points, you know, in other people's shoes mm-hmm. and try and, you know, you know, humanise every aspect, you know, every point of view. And I try to do the same on this one because it's like, it's like engaging with the other, you know. Mm-hmm. But with, uh, with 71, there was a, yeah, there was a real responsibility because, you know, I'm not Anglo-Saxon, I'm not Celtic, mm-hmm. I'm not Irish, I'm French Algerian, I'm a complete outsider. I went and spent a lot of time there and, you know, it was really important to represent it right. Mm-hmm. And it's very much the same with White Boy Rick, you know, it's a true story, you go to Detroit, you're going to depict a place, a mm-hmm. people, you've got to get it right. You've got to make sure, you know, you do your research and mm-hmm. make sure you humanise everyone and, and you know, you don't take, you, you know, you don't archetypes as shortcuts. You just, you've got to engage with the shades of grey. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that um, you compare White Boy Rick 271 there because one thing that really struck me, I was looking at them and kind of trying to like identify similar like themes. I suppose I always do that when I look at a director's work. But one thing that kind of, stood out for me was that both in both films you kind of have these young people almost children who end up kind of getting pulled into these worlds that they really shouldn't be in of crime or violence mm. was that something you were kind of thinking about as you made the movies this that comparison? I mean I think I think you know it's like even before this 71 I did a show called Top Boy mm-hmm. and I can see between, with Top Boy 71 and White Boy there's like a theme that runs through it I wasn't very. I wasn't conscious of it till now. Re, well, till I was in post, and I sort of realised it's all. They're all similar in that it's like children that don't get to be kids. Mm-hmm. You know, who more often than not because of poverty or uh, you know and, and tribalism, uh, be it gang gangs or crime or or army or war. You know, they just they're robbed of their childhood, mm-hmm. and um, I guess it's a theme. That, like, you know, it's something that subconsciously and now definitely consciously I, I sort of gravitated towards and something that sort of bugged me. Maybe it's the end of that cycle. But there is that element with 71 that definitely, you know, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. In 71, I have to ask you as well, because you have like a predominantly Irish cast in there and I'm Irish and I love seeing Noticed. all of these <laughs> familiar faces like uh, Barry Keoghan and Martin McCann and oh, Charlie Barry, Murphy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, to name just a few. But what was it like working with us Irish cast members? Well, not me. I'm not a cast member personally. <laughs> I loved the it. The Irish. <laughs> I, I loved it. I mean, that experience is incredible. It's yeah. just one of those where the stars aligned. You know, even the, the collaboration with the writer and the producer and all the cast. I mean, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Great banter. You know, it was a hard shoot, mainly night shoots up north in the winter. But um, everyone was up for it, you know. Everyone really pulled together and 
I've got great fond memories on that shoot. I heard you mention uh, Barry Keoghan's name. You kind of picked up a bit. Is there a bit of a story there with Barry? <laughs> no, just like I'm really, you know, really happy for what's mm-hmm. for the way his career has taken off. You know, I think it was his first film mm-hmm. uh, when he was in 71. And it was just, you, you just knew he was a find, you know. I just got a lot of affection for him. He was so young. And then I saw him recently and he's doing so well. You know, I saw him in mm-hmm. Sacred Deer and... I'm just so happy for him. Yeah, and I, I, all of them actually. When I see Martin McCamp, all day, I, when I see any of them, you know, I've got a great deal of affection for my cast and certainly one. What other uh, fond memories do you have from working with them on the set? Was there stuff going on off set as well? Well, you want some? You looking for gossip? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just some banter stories. You mentioned banter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, not for the camera, I don't think. <laughs> no, it was just always good crack, as you like to say. It was, it was good fun, you know. It was just um, we were just really bonded. It's just one of those. It was my first film. It was a lot of their first film. Mm-hmm. It was uh, an element of that, you know. It was really low budget, so. You know, we, we everyone had to get scrappy on it, mm-hmm. um, and everyone pulled together. As I say, there's no. I'm drawing a blank right now in terms of one particular anecdote, but um, but we'd always call Barry Pion. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about Jan was um, there was a time there when there was a bit of buzz around your name asso- being associated with the James Bond franchise. Oh, I don't know God. if you heard about this. I might have heard a couple of things, yeah. So how did you feel about hearing your name circulating I mean, I was, sh- I was doing a shoot in, uh, yeah. I was shooting a pilot in Chicago when, when all the rumours dropped. I mean, it's flattering. Mm-hmm. It's flattering. It was like I was doing night shoots in the woods in up, you know, upstate Illinois. And I heard about it, and I was like, this is a bit abstract. I didn't know anything about it, but I heard someone's texting me that it's in print. I mean, it's flattering that, you know, my name was mentioned. Is going into, like, blockbusters and franchises something you'd look to do in the future? Because you've been, because the kind of stuff you've done so far has been very kind of much drama and not quite indie, but almost indie. I am, um, I mean, you know, it's not like a... uh, a plan mm-hmm. you know if something came up that I like I'd definitely do it you know I wouldn't I wouldn't rule anything out I'd like to turn my hand at lots of different things mm-hmm. you know I'd like to do a couple of indie dramas I'd like to do a French, uh, film in French language mm-hmm. and I'd love to do a big film you know if it was right it's all about you know if the if we uh, the combination is right we always like to um, ask this film just for fun and maybe, you know, you can take White Boy Rick as kind of a kickoff point for films that inspire you. But can you give us, give us the name of maybe three films that you absolutely adore that have kind of inspired you across your career? Uh, Battle of Algiers, Good Un Prophète, um, Escape from New York. Escape from New York, I <laughs> like that. There's, There's a, a random one. threesome. <laughs> Brilliant. And then um, my last question for you, Jan, was what are you working on next? I'm not working on anything right now. Oh, actually, I'm in post on a pilot mm-hmm. for HBO called Lovecraft Country. Um, and what I'm going to do next, I have no idea. I'm going to take a break. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, I said last question, but now you've inspired another one. Um, because your background actually comes from TV, so in the future, is balancing between TV and movies something you'd like to do? Maybe jump from one to the other? Yeah, or would you like yeah. To I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm all about the, the material and, mm-hmm. 
And uh, if the best, sometimes you, if I'm developing it, you sort of look at, at, at the pieces, you start to develop it and, and sort of think, is it better served as a film or, or a piece of television? Like, is it better with an eight-hour canvas or, or you know, within the, the sort of two-hour form? And I think now, you know, you can feasibly look at television as a, another cinematic canvas. I mean, the pilot I just did was, was really big. It's like a, doing a movie, really, and the ambition within television has changed. You know, they really want things to be visual. And, and as we know, like, sh- people are just binging on these shows, mm-hmm. and they're such high quality. So as a filmmaker, yeah, I mean, I'd love to do television and film moving forward. And HBO especially has, they've just produced such like top quality shows. I mean, shows they're incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. There's something else to work. That creative team is incredible. The way they back their creatives and the way they take risks. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of reminds you of the stories you hear about old studio bosses that used to take risks. I guess they, those people exist in television now, really. Brilliant. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out for that one. Jan, thank you so much All for right. your time. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Uh,